unique new oh we can't access your video what do you mean unique new york new unique (laughs) it's not supposed to be a tongue twister it's supposed to be a vocal warm-up so that i can say words properly but every time i say it i get tongue-tied it's not it's not like a a peter piper picked a peck of pickled peppers i can say that but i can't say unique new york what is going on welcome back to leaf's lake I don't know why this You're is not the one to who needs these. I. That's actually a very good point. <laughs> Welcome back to Loose Lake. I should be doing one. these exercises. Sorry. <laughs> why did we never make you do this? I, give me the word, boss, and I'll start practicing my English. <laughs> oh, oh, man. Oh, gosh. Okay, Loose Late Night, Roscoe and Steph. It's um, thank you guys for checking out the last episode. We got fantastic numbers on those that uh, above, you know, reminiscent of the end of last season, most that we've had since uh, since hockey was on. So thank you guys for checking that out. Really, really, really appreciate it. Um, if you want to catch the video, it's over on the Inside the Rinky YouTube channel. You can hop on and subscribe there if you want to catch all of them up to date. We upload the most of anybody. It's mostly just our videos there. Um, and then if you want to follow us on <laughs> Instagram, <laughs> Instagram, Twitter, all that jazz. It's all at Leafs Late Night. Uh, Twitter is run by myself and Instagram is run by Steph. If you're wondering who is responding to you when you reach out to those things. With that, let's talk about a really, 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 really weird, annoying, frustrating game. Mm. Hi, this is Mike Ross, public address announcer for your Toronto Maple Leafs. And this is the Leafs Late Night Podcast. Your post-game destination. And now your starting lineup. Roscoe, the fanalist, Southey, Beaner, and Darty Brodeur on the Leafs Late Night Podcast. <laughs> okay, so this is episode two of Hotel Week for Roscoe. Episode one in uh, the new hotel. This intro's a little loud. I'm just gonna let it play out here. So I am staying in Niagara Falls currently. Did a little uh, filmage today. It was cold and rainy. We were out there at six in the morning. It's not a nice day. So uh, anyway, things went well, but we're here at the hotel. So um, got the Leafs fans and the crew together and we were figuring out where we were going to watch the game. There is a golf lounge in this place. It's attached to the Irish pub and uh, it has a simulator for golf, which is pretty cool. I wish I brought my glove or my, my gloves, my clubs. But what it also has glove. Uh, <laughs> attached to this it's kind of hard to explain. Like off the lobby, there's two, there's like a bar that's like a sports bar and an Irish pub, but the sports bar just kind of has like the menu from the Irish pub. Like it's all one kitchen, but there's a golf simulator and all that kind of stuff. And there's a bunch of TVs in the other one. So there's couches and a poker table and it's just like super chill. So we, uh, we got them to put the game on in there. There was one of those fake led fireplaces, but it was all lit up green. We're like, Hey, so we, I asked, I was like, Hey, um, any chance, silly question. She goes, do you want it blue? I'm like, I mean, if you can, it'd be way cooler than it being green. <laughs> so she tried, but the uh, the remote was dead. Please. Uh, sadness. But oh. uh, 
so <laughs> second, I want to say like halfway through the second period, uh, we started a poker game. So I was, uh, once the Leafs started losing, I was kind of, uh, eh, I'm going to play poker, which ended well, um, because we are in, you know, casino area. They made it very, 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 very clear when they gave us the poker chips for the table. They're like, you cannot play for money. There's absolutely no exchange of anything. This is just for fun. You cannot bet. Like, like nothing can be exchanged afterwards. We're like, we get it. We're, we'll just play for fun. We'll practice for the casino. So silly me um, on my last, <laughs> it was announced that it was like the last hand before everybody was heading up. It was the end of the hockey game too. So I, uh, everybody just went all in and I was like, whatever, I'm, I'm done. I don't have anything. So I flip over. I was like, yeah, I just got this. And somebody goes, you have a flush. I was like, oh shit, I do. I didn't even notice that. And then they're just like, yep, you win. Here's everybody's chips. Yes. So it doesn't really count because everybody went all Such in because it was the last hand. But I won that hand. So that's all that matters. Yeah. <sighs> you, you guys went heads up and you got the bank. So I saw your card. You had a queen six suited and I thought you had a flush there. But I noticed more that you didn't have a uh, Casino Niagara chip in front of you. It was a random set of chips. So I'm like, there's no way they're in the casino right now. But no, nah, hey, we'll, we'll get there soon fun. enough. It's only Monday and uh, we've got the whole week here. So I'm sure we'll get over to the casino. We get, we're working so early all week. I think um, tomorrow we'll be off fairly early but fridays are late night so it's a little tough to get over the 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 chino the chino the chino i don't trust myself with casinos but yeah anyway let's talk about hockey (laughs) (laughs) well that's uh at least you're (laughs) self-aware some people are not self-aware so yeah tonight connor bedard Connor Bedard, Connor Bedard. Everything is about Connor Bedard, and what a way to start the season for him, too, on this massive road trip, as everyone has been talking about, starting in Pittsburgh, you know, facing Sidney Crosby, and then you move on to... uh, This was his fourth game, so he faced Boston, and then he went to Montreal, where he was booed every single time he touched the puck, so... He's been having an experience. Uh, welcome to the NHL. And tonight, the whole story of is Matthews going to have a three-peat with the hat tricks or Bedard going to pop off? Well, neither of them scored. Neither of them got a point tonight. And yeah, I guess we really got to see how our defense held up against this team of misfits, if you want to call them. I mean, I wouldn't even call them. Well, yeah, I guess misfits is a good way to put it because it, it's... It's weird that a team gets the first overall pick and they just go, all right, that's the rebuild. Let's start filling in things. That's obviously not what Chicago did, but it felt like they didn't want Bedard to just kind of waste away in his first season with nobody to play with. So they really made an effort, which I commend because a lot of teams like, I mean, look at, sorry, late arrivals, but look at this, the state that Anaheim's in where you have all these kids, but there's not really anybody there to show them the ropes or to at least make it so that all the pressure is not on them. When you've got Taylor Hall and Corey Perry, it takes a little bit of pressure (laughs) off of Connor Bedard to be the center of attention for an entire 60 minutes. Like obviously Perry was dominating the, uh, the screen time, even like as much as they wanted to show Bedard, it was like Perry just keeps shoving himself into the mix. 
So, I mean, you have to. And, and you know, I, I think they've done a good job adding Foligno and, and Hall to just, like I said, take some offensive pressure off of Bedard, make it so he's not a one-man army out there. It's, it's not a great way to rebuild just because I feel like they're not going to be bad, but not great this year. Like it's going to be a weird, weird end for the, to the season for them. I don't see them finishing like dead last again, but it's going to be nothing helpful. I don't know. It's, it's a confusing team to watch, but I think as far as Bedard's development goes, I think they're making some good choices. I guess that's, that's my only takeaway from this team. Yeah, at the pregame, uh, they actually had Wendell Clark on, and he was uh, impressed with how much they're playing Bedard, and he actually predicts that he's going to be his best after Christmas, which I totally agree with, especially on the face-off dot, which he's been really slacking at. But overall tonight, you know, for a team that ended 36% on the dot... I think they did a really good job in the, like just playing their defensive game and stopping the Leafs. Like I mean, Leafs have won majority of the faceoffs even after the first period. I believe um, the Leafs were up 84% on the dot Ooh. and still they were limited to shots for Chicago and Chicago was leading in almost every category. So I do have to applaud them on that front, especially this is the one and only time Bedard will be in Toronto this year. So they made it special. Yeah, and uh, just somebody that I, I noticed, they mentioned Alex Velasic. He's the nephew of Mark Edward Velasic, which is funny because Tyler Bertuzzi is the nephew of Todd Bertuzzi. So it was this this discussion on our <laughs> you know on the couch watching the game, like, wait, are these the these can't be the kids of those two guys because that doesn't make sense age wise, like who, who, how are they related? Because they must be. Because Velasic and Bertuzzi are not exactly everyday last names. So there had to be a connection here. So it's, it's kind of funny that they're both nephews of uh, the former NHLers. Yeah, and I think they did extremely well. And another name that's new to the NHL tonight, Korchinski getting his first point for uh, Chicago. And uh, coming into tonight anyways, I was more focused on where I, you know, Nathan Bondi writes these pre- uh, game preview articles, and I totally agree with him here where Jake McCabe, I hate to bring up a defender's name, but he was on ice for majority of the goals and facing his old team, um, you know, the Chicago Blackhawks and even Domi, right? These are two guys that I was really looking for tonight. And unfortunately, McCabe was always on the other side of the play and Domi not really clicking with Nyes and Minton. Uh, new line mates tonight, seeing Yarncroak up on the second, and uh, it did not look that great, in my opinion. I uh, McCabe, I feel like he had a decent offensive game, that, because when they got scored on, it was like maybe 30 seconds before that McCabe had a chance to score that was robbed, and then it's like it goes the other way, and, and we just got scored on because McCabe was in the wrong spot. So, yeah. Yeah, defense was kind of the letdown tonight. I I really, really, really don't want to put a lot of this on Wall. Uh, sorry, Wool. We're calling him Wool. It's not Wall. He specified Wool. that's what he wants this year, even though he's a goalie and he should definitely lean into the Wall. But whatever. So Joseph Wall, <laughs> I think, had a decent game. I would not put these goals on him. It was really 
um, it seemed like the defense were constantly a step behind. Like, I mean, we had a, we were um, on a power play and it's like, it seemed like we were even then, like the defense weren't in the right spot. I don't know. All night it just seemed like between Klingberg and McCabe and um, Lilligren, there was just a lot of positioning errors. That's all. Like it, it seemed like just guys were sleeping, not paying attention to a team that maybe they weren't expecting much out of. I mean, look, you can go down a fucking Blackhawks daily faceoff. Half of these guys I've never heard of before. Like, I mean, well, yeah, Jason Dickens, uh, not never heard of, but between Lucas Reichel as your second center and Jason Dickinson and Mackenzie Entwistle, Boris Kachuk, like these are not like every Ryan Donato and Alex Velasic and Kevin Korchinski, Wyatt Kaiser, like literally half of this team has collectively played like a hundred NHL games. So it's a combination of you literally don't know what to expect from these guys and maybe underselling what they are capable of. So the forwards were decent. Yeah. I just, man, it was a defensive lapse tonight. And of course, uh, a night we put Joseph Wool in, we get Chicago's 1B, Solderblom, whose career record is 213 and 2 with an 891 save percentage. He's already lost a game this year. So, of course, we're going to see a Vesna candidate performance uh, coming from this team with such a poor statted goalie, right? So, oh man, um, always a first for. I'm yeah, looking at his stats. This, this goalie. 2021-22, he played three games, and he had a 5 GAA and an 863. Then last year, he played 15 games, and he had a 345 with a sub-900. Like, of course. Yeah. This year, he's played two games, and he's on fire. And you would, like, tonight we're waiting for that first goal to reveal what the original six matchup new goal song is. And honestly, there was a point in time where I was like, is this ever going to happen? Because Solderblom was playing awesome. Um, I have to applaud him in his in his game. But of course, like, when we're thinking about this Matthews three-peat and the hat trick dilemma, you would think he would score against a lower tier goalie like this. But uh, it's just the leafiest thing you could imagine on the goal song i feel like this says a lot i have not noticed it any of the three games at least have played i've had to come on here afterwards and ask you guys what was the goal song i was not paying attention what was it tonight i don't know so the it was panama by van halen and the only reason why I knew that was thanks to Mikey D in our group chat because every single time the Leafs score, even previous games, I cannot hear the damn song. The only song I've heard so far was Game 1, Pursuit, Pursuit of Happiness. I don't know if I'm going deaf or what. Like, I have to do research right after. But yeah, Panama, okay. Van Halen. I'm 99% sure that Panama was the... This, this song that the team skated out to in the early 2000s Ooh. like i think i think panama has Bean been associated with the, with the leafs for a while like i i vaguely remember that being the song that they always came out to panama van halen leafs like i thought that was 
At least we're already on the third goal. So, yeah, of course, everything's from fucking today. But I'm pretty sure now they have Enter Sandman. Oh, but yeah, they they entered some Metallica into their um, intro song or coming out onto the ice beginning of a beginning of the game. Nice. But yeah, um, nice to reveal a new song. I'm sure we're going to get more, but hey, this first period anyways, not much to talk about besides, of course, a fight that I don't know if anyone expected. I was expecting maybe a Reeves and Perry showdown, but of course, we have Gregor who takes a little jab at Bedard and then uh, Murphy does not, or then he hits Zaitsev along the boards. Sorry, he crushes him along the boards. But the whole time, uh, Roscoe, I was watching the Chicago feed and they were describing how this was a dangerous hit. Oh my God, everyone's crying. Nick Foligno really? goes on to his interview and he's just like, he shouldn't have done that. Uh, that, you know, that's why Murphy wears the A. We have to look out for our boys. And yeah, Murphy challenges, his, challenges Gregor to a fight and. In my opinion, anyways, I thought this was a clean hit, and it was on Zaitsev, who leaves legend, totally forgot he was a Chicago Blackhawk, but <laughs> yeah, I don't know. What did you think about this hit? It didn't seem dirty to me. It looked like he was falling, like like Gregor was following through with a hit as Zaitsev was falling down along the boards. Like, it wasn't avoidable. It wasn't on purpose. I Like, I don't know. It was just an unfortunate fall like the way that Zaitsev went down his he was like against the glass his helmet came up and he hit the, the like it was all in the way he went down yeah. not the way he was hit like that's kind of what happens on the ice so I get it you got to stick up for your guys regardless of what happens it's nice to see Gregor answer the call there and not you know a bunch of guys backing down and someone like Spezza having to jump in again I like I sent it out I love that all the way down the lineup, you know, you've got guys that are willing to fight for this team and stick up for themselves. I know fighting's not a huge important thing, you know, in this day and age in the game, but it's nice that when the call comes, there's somebody to answer it, you know, instead of everybody looking at each other going, that's not us. And then the message being sent that push us around because there's no one here to back us up. Yeah, and Reeves was right on the bench too, ready to go, chirping at Perry, and he shoved him down at one point and gave him tugs, and Perry's kind of drifting off, and while they were on the bench, uh, we got a lip read there from Omar saying that, um, why do you think I give a fuck about what you say, huh? What do you think you're going to do about it? Never back it up, though. Never fucking back it up. Never. And Reeves just going on. So I was expecting a fight coming, not a Perry Poor, or a friggin' Corey Perry goal coming, unfortunately, which was a total Leafs disaster on their end. But yeah, this first period, no goals, and the Leafs just was it the first that get settled. Was, uh, was shoved down by Reeves, and Reeves was like just kind of sitting on him, <laughs> wouldn't let him up. Yeah, I think it might have been in the first. Yeah, but yeah, it's uh, you know there was a couple of crew members watching with us, and they go. Hey, what's going on here? I'm like, well, the Leafs got this guy this year basically to just punch a bunch of people in the face. You go, oh, is he like good at hockey though? I'm like, I don't know, not really. Like, <laughs> he's he's here to punch people. I'm like, well, what about that guy? I'm like, I mean, they're both on the third line, so do with that what you will. They're both 
older guys that are yelling <laughs> at each other and it's like they think they're still the most impactful like perry specifically thinks he's still an extremely impactful person on the ice not that he's not useful but he's still out there chirping like he's the number one uh, guy on the team so uh, he's one of those guys you love to hate i would any day take Corey Perry on my team, but anytime he's not, it's like, holy shit, dude. He's one of the most annoying people in the NHL. Like, right up there with, like, what's his name? Draymond Green in the NBA. That's, like, where everything is, like, up in arms. Like, how can this happen? Like, this is insane. Do you really want to do this with me right now? It's like, oh, my God, drop it. I can't do this. It's so exhausting. Perry's that guy. It's like, you, you love Perry to hate is... him. You love him. He's a pesky little rat, and he's all about the rat business. And even tonight in the warm-up, he's pointing to the crowd and doing a little leg shake. And then after his goal, he's pointing to the crowd again. Like, he knows how to get under people's skin. And I think he gets paid a little extra for doing so because he managed to land a $4 million one-year contract with the Chicago Blackhawks. And he's tied with Nick Nick Foligno for fourth highest. Yes, PP1 third line and him and Nick Felino got the 4 million times one contracts and then you have Andreas Anastasio that has 4.25 and the next right uh, Tyler Johnson 5 million Athanasio but there you go Athanasio thank you I didn't do my warm up thanks um (laughs) (laughs) And then Taylor Hall leading the way with six mil. <clears throat> but um, yeah, it's, uh, I don't know. They found the veteran in these types of guys, I guess. And it's working so far. I mean, it's they're able to give Connor Bedard the same amount of ice time that Matthews is getting. So um, when you put a kid out there that long with that much skill, of course, he's going to rack up some points. And yeah, t- I'm surprised he didn't nothing happened tonight but hey they were all over each other i thought um both teams just no no space out there they are paying peter morazic 3.8 million dollars is that because we were paying peter morazic 3.8 million (laughs) dollars that's crazy Uh, yes holy (laughs) mother of god okay uh, they just, uh, man, this team is very strange the way that it's built. Like their first line is like two guys that make under a million and then Taylor Hall at six. <laughs> it's fucking crazy. Zaitsev and makes like, 4.5. And Alex Velasic, who's their like first line defenseman, apparently makes 900 grand. Like <laughs> I'm glad. He's entry like, level contract. Earlier. They're backing everybody up with people that know what they're doing. It's a great support system. I I don't hate what this team is doing. Uh, it's it's a decent way to rebuild, but you know, next year at the end of this season, it's going to be a lot of question marks with these one year guys. Like, what do you what do you do next? It's going to be take it one one step at a time. Mm. Did you oh. know coming into this game, Chicago was uh, perfect on the PK. I did. I noticed that they when they were, went on the, the first one, it was like 100%. They're tied for first. I'm like, wait, what the hell? What did they have? Like four? Yeah. Of them? And then they. F- right. And uh, they score their first power play goal of the year. Of course, it's Tyler Johnson. And 
Again, McCabe right there. I found, again, McCabe just not being in position and the Leafs just having to go on the PK a lot tonight. Uh, yeah, how many penalty minutes did we end with? That was, uh, that was a really shorthanded game. And I mean, yeah, Bertuzzi took a bad one. Only. I mean, Bertuzzi took a bad one. Like I said, um, i trying to think who else took some rough penalties two. this game. He took two, yeah. In the second period, Bertuzzi took a tripping and a high sticking penalty, and it was kind oh. of like a little competition of who can take the most penalties from our new guys. Unfortunately, we had John Klingberg in the third hooking Lucas Reichel, and then in the first, you, I, I say only thirteen because five of those minutes went for fighting uh, for Noah Gregor. Then you had Marner hooking on Nick Foligno, but it felt like. The Leafs were just shorthanded majority of the game for some reason. And the best chance they had was actually at near the end of the game when they were actually shorthanded and they controlled the play. So it was kind of flip-floppy in, in that sense. Well, I mean, the comment came from people I was watching with even. Like when the first period was, like I'd say the first half of the first period, it seemed like the Leafs were basically just on a power play for 10 straight minutes. Like Chicago was hemmed. They had no chance of starting this game off until they squeaked that one goal at which the Leafs answered right away. Like it was very much, you know, a Leafs dominated game and Chicago was just trying to break out and, and try to get a chance any, any time they could when the puck slipped away. But really it was a matter of who's going to make the first mistake. And so that's why it felt like these penalties, even though there was only what four of them outside of the fight, they were so detrimental because it was this, all of this momentum that they were building up and and pressure that they're putting on Chicago just gets ended, and then all of a sudden, faceoff goes the other way. Even if they didn't win it, which they normally didn't, uh, it's the Leafs were not great shorthanded tonight. I mean, I know they're adjusting to a new format. You know, having was Matthews on the the penalty kill tonight? I think so. Yep, yep. Um, he he was on the penalty kill for majority of. Um, actually each penalty kill unit uh he would rotate with camp and come out and try and get those shorthanded opportunities especially in the third period but yeah the chicago was just speedy after the second and third and i mean toronto didn't get a chance on the power play in the second period it was pure chicago and then we did have an opportunity in the third but they did an awesome job just blocking every opportunity and trying to get the puck out of the zone. And, you know, Klingbird had a good chance. We had Tavares whipping, whiffing on a one-timer and the, like the passes were broken up. So it's just unfortunate. And Chicago really used their speed to draw these penalties too. Uh, I mean, Klingberg with the hook on Reichel in the third period, just rushing towards the net and, kind of like a, a Leafs play in a sense where we would find someone like Lafferty for example rushing the net and drawing a penalty or Gregor but uh, Chicago kind of used that book on us tonight yeah it seemed like uh, every chance the Leafs had we were like oh this is going in for sure and it gets saved or deflected or blocked on its way to the net and then Puck's going the other way and it's like oh we got this wait how did that go in What's going on? Like everything for the Leafs as far as control and positioning for the forwards and planning and um, implementing plays, it seemed like they were doing what they wanted to do. They just couldn't finish anything. 
And then as soon as they would make that mistake in the 95th percentile of that play, Chicago would take it and go the other way. And they're just completely caught off guard. Like, it's like I was saying last episode, how it seems like the Leafs are able to adapt and be more creative and not follow plays. Like tonight, it was like they were so thrown off when the plays didn't go their way. Yeah, totally agree. And just speaking of last episode, um, we kind of spoke about John Tavares for a bit and predicting that he would have a big game tonight. And I'm so happy to see him score his first of the season this year in the second that period nice there. One. And there was, oh man, so nice. Nylander walking <coughs> through the zone and he gets, you know, there's three Hawks on him. So he drops it right back. Tavares is right in position in the slot. Nice shot straight in. And love to see it all day long. And um, Nylander and Tavares, the second line, had a good rotation for a good chunk of the second period, I believe. They they had chance after chance after chance. And I was on the edge of my seat for a long while. And same with Minton and Nyes. Uh, I felt like even oh, Brian yeah. Beliefs was tweeting that, wow, I was hoping one in nine of these chances because he was at the game tonight. Um, would go in but it's just unlucky and this Vesna caliber performance for of Rough. course from Salderblom right <laughs> I can't wait for Mitten's first goal <clears throat> this guy has just been so hungry like every time he rushes that I'm like please please put one in you deserve it and so he's Bedard also, was I mean, actually asked about like Mitten Six more. Oh, you, I'll let you finish that. But yeah, he's got six more games before we hit that nine. So I would love to see him earn a spot yeah. to stay for the rest of the season. So what did what did Connor say about Me too. Frazier? Because, you know, we, we spoke a little bit about that Instagram post and he was super happy about seeing his friend make the team. Yeah. And he was asked right about it before tonight. And he said uh, his quote was right when it was announced, he made the team. We were fi- fired up kind of talking about how it feels like it was yesterday. We were playing on a line together in Bantam. It's crazy how time flies. It's really special. So they were once teammates back in the kiddie years and Aww. just seeing how they grow up and playing their first season together in this NHL, in the NHL, um, just, yeah, it's special, like he says. But uh, I'm glad that we got the full closure on that little story there instead of, you know, speculating that maybe he's trying to fuck with him or, you know, Toronto media this or, you know what I mean? Like, uh, it's really easy to spin the story there, but yeah, they're childhood lifelong friends. Yeah, but, so um, let's, let's, let's talk about Connor for a sec. So, Bedard is obviously an otherworldly talent, but, I mean, what stood out to you tonight about him? I mean, the, for me, it's the shot, like, the fact that there can be five, six people crowding around in front of him on his team and the other, and all of a sudden just whoosh, bullet goes in that. You're like, how did you see a hole? How did you get it through there? And how is it that fast? Like, this dude's shot is so insane. It's like it's like Matthews ask where you just he skates in and you just whoosh, the release is so quick that you just blink and it's at the net. That's it's gonna be so hard to stop that yeah. once this guy puts the rest of the game together. His story is really interesting, you know, breaking his wrist and pretty much started this whole thing about his shot because he used to practice one handed taking his shot with his stick and, you know, just 
trying the hardest way possible, which really gained that strength for him. So it was kind of a, a blessing in disguise, in a sense. Oh, you mean like Matthews did? I truly, kind of, right? And but if you actually look up his training routine and um, on Instagram, we follow a bunch of these hockey um, profiles that always talk about his shot because that's all they like to talk about. But um, other than that, for me, anyways. I really like his just his awareness on the ice. Like when you're watching him play, he's constantly looking around and he's making those confident little backhand passes, no look passes, and it always meets someone. Like it's not one of those, you know, oh, it looks really great if it connects and you'll look like an idiot if, if it doesn't. Like he's going in there with confidence like a 1C, looking for his teammates and making those passes and making space for the play. And he's he's tiny, he's speedy, he gets into the, all the right, right positions. And honestly, I think he's on the right track. The only downfall right now is the dot, the face-off dot, but that will come with time. And yeah, it's it's looking good for him. I just want to see what his percent actually was tonight on the dot. It was like 25 uh, last I saw. 30.8. So yeah. yeah, see, obviously you want that up for your first line center. But yeah, I just love his awareness and his hockey IQ. Like I know everyone talks about the shot, but just when you watch him play, it's, 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 something you don't see every day right like kind of like marner and creating that space on the team whereas other people would just skate straight into the opponent you know but marner has that skill and that special iq well it's interesting that you bring up marner because what i wanted to say next about connor bedard is i mean uh ovechkin has been probably the only one of the group for the last 15 years who doesn't have like a 1B. I mean, Backstrom was that for a long time, but he's kind of been hurt and not playing with them, you know? Like Crosby and Malkin, Dreisaitl and McDavid, Matthews and Marner. There's always a like a 1-2 punch, right? Like you can't be one guy, one center on a hockey team. It's obviously not going to be Taylor Hall. Uh, what do you think the Blackhawks look for? Like, do you think it's a matter of like, for me, you got to tank again, if you're going to try and draft that number two for him, but it doesn't look like they want to lose that badly this year. We'll see how the rest of the season shakes out, but it seems like there's a couple teams that are going to beat them to the bottom. If this is how they're going to play. And this is the pieces that they've added around Bedard. So do you think it's a matter of moving something to bring something in? Like, how do you build around him moving forward? Like, what do you, what do you tie to him? Yeah, because when you look at this team's cap friendly, there's not much of a future outside of Seth Jones. Um, the longest signed forward is actually Connor Bedard on his <laughs> entry level contract. <laughs> Holy shit! Going is. to twenty five, twenty six. So, That's crazy. Um, the old Chicago uh, Blackhawks oh, of sorry, Patrick no, Kane Seth, and Jonathan Taves. Seth Jones assigned. I mean, forward. Yeah. I, I, I said longest oh, signed sorry. forward. So oh, you're right. 
um, yeah, the, the previous identity of this team is no longer. They're completely starting from scratch, in my opinion. Um, you, you have the likes of Connor Murphy left and Seth Jones, but the rest, um, man, Tyler Radish leading the, the team in points last year and before trade deadline, that was Max Domi. So it's it's going to be interesting to see. I, I think it's a constant competition, and I think that's why that's what makes this team so competitive because everyone has you know something to lose. They're all trying to cement their spot into this roster and this lineup. You have one, two, three, four, five, six players on entry level contracts who obviously want to play their way into the NHL and stick. Um, you have Connor Bedard shining, like leading the show, and obviously management not putting a ton of trust in this forward group. You have six restricted free agents, and the rest are unrestricted, leaving either next year or the year after. So uh, it's really hard to predict. Yeah, I'm also looking. I totally even forgot. the goalies. On top of retaining Jake McCabe's salary, I forgot they're, the Chicago Blackhawks are the ones that bought out Josh Bailey's contract. Like from the, yeah. Island, the Islanders traded him to Chicago so they could buy him out because the Islanders couldn't afford to. They're also still paying Duncan Keith $2 million. So what's interesting with... I was just going to say. The Blackhawks cap <laughs> friendly here is they've got so much money tied up this season. A bunch of it comes off the end of this year. And then the rest of it comes off the end of next year. So they kind of have an open book here and $11 million still this year to play with. So I'm, I'm curious to see if this turns into actually building, uh, Oh no. Are you still there? It froze on me. I know. Until now, my, yeah. My, sorry, my phone died, and I was hotspotting myself. Uh oh. So I, I have to get that back on. So sorry, guys. What I was going to say is the the, the Blackhawks yeah, have a bunch of money coming off, so hopefully they can spend some to fill this out. But it's going to be really weird to watch what they do. Yeah, and who knows what the future of their goaltending looks like either? I mean, you have Peter Morozik this year next year he's an unrestricted free agent and then you have Solderblom who is waiver is exempt which is nice and you have two this year and next year at under one million for him but just looking at his numbers you can't really be I guess outside of tonight of course <laughs> but uh, the future isn't looking good when you have like a 2-13-2 record I don't know yeah, I mean, again, just to bring it back to my first question of like what I think they're going to do around Bedard, I don't think it's smart to continue winning. But, I mean, if this team wins any number of games, it's kind of by accident, it seems. Um, based on their play tonight, I think they've got a little more talent than I think they bargained for in bringing in like an old Corey Perry and an older Taylor Hall. Like, these guys are still very much competitive hockey players. And... I don't know, like when you're up against the likes of a San Jose that's just essentially built abysmally and the Anaheim Ducks that are in no position to win, like I just, I feel like if you really are trying to get another first or, you know, top three overall pick to, to play with Bedard, 
It's going to be tough. So I say it's, it's going to come from signing some, my prediction at least, is that they're going to sign somebody or um, offer sheet somebody that's coming off that's a little like a couple of years older than Bedard because, uh, you know, those those opportunities don't just fall into your lap like Dreisaitl and Malkin and Marner and Nylander and all those guys. So you got the money to play with, play with it. Yeah, why not? Um, it's so hard, like I said, uh, to predict this team's future. But, hey, I'm glad we got to see them tonight so early in the season. You kind of have to think the people who made the schedule, you know, knew about the draft and all of that stuff just because of the Chicago Blackhawks first, you know, couple weeks of opponents being all of these original six matchups and such a hype of a story to start off the season. But yeah, I guess we will see them next in Chicago. And thanks to this stupid website, I cannot see their history or the future of their game schedule. (laughs) And I hate it so much. Oh, man. Okay, so... um other things tonight keith goes let's what, go to 16, questions 16 for 16 on the uh the coaches challenge though <laughs> right um especially challenging with less than a minute left to go and um, I'm what sorry. a sequence man just going to a question tonight the can we just before the questions what? the fact that the game went from six seconds left to 51 seconds left like what kind of a you never get yeah. do over like that. <laughs> this is how you get hanging. Like this gives you more hope and that optimism and <laughs> and you think, wow, you know, the first game against Montreal, the Leafs were down two and they pulled the goalie twice in a row, so of course they can do it. But it just sets you up for disappointment because time just flew tonight and kudos again to the Blackhawks for their awesome defensive play and there was absolutely no chance besides William Nylander with 6.2 left on the clock at one point to make it their third six on five goal of the season in their third game of the year but it was freaking offside (laughs) yeah after Taylor Hall was offside in an empty netter it was just I feel like this was a really sloppy game on both teams' parts. Like, the Leafs had some good plays offensively, but the defense was just not there. And, uh, yeah, it was just, I don't know, both teams taking advantage of a lot of mistakes and distractions between Reeves and Perry just yelling at each other across the bench and the fight with Gregor. Like, I feel like there was a lot going on in the peripherals of this game that was just distracting to everybody and it really got the best of them reefs should have just fought i think that we needed that little kick in our game like an act another fight and just give the boys some energy and fuck it at this point just you know this is what the trend has been every reef fight equals a matthews hat trick so why not do it I'm just thinking, like, they got to be careful if it's going to be getting wrapped up in the drama where more guys get drawn into what's going on. Like, they really got to make sure that it's only the people that are going to be dealing with these things that get involved 
physically and then everybody else just gets to kind of take advantage of the fact that these guys are now distracted and not everyone get drawn into this thing that's happening so yeah shake it off another uh, another night so let's go to questions and we'll get out of here yeah Leafs lose four to one womp 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 but it's okay first loss of the season and yeah, Mike the Fanatic uh, on Twitter asks, uh, he actually posted a pic of his tweet, which said it was 4-1, then 3-1, then 3-2, then 3-1, then 4-1, all in the last minute of the game. Please explain that to a person who wants to get into hockey. <laughs> well. <laughs> right. It, uh. How would I explain that? Um because we're in an age where things can be replayed, they very often will not make the call on the ice and rather go to the replay to check it because it's easier. So this is the result. I don't know. There's no fun way to put this. Like <laughs> hockey does everything to make people not want to watch it. So <laughs> I don't know. What would, what's a, what's a fan friendly way to put this? It was just nitpickiness all in the last minute and you have a little hope and you just get re rejected right off the bat. Um, I don't know if there's any good way to put it, but it's just disappointment. <laughs> yeah. I hear you. Uh, fun guy at Southpaw underscore Cal on Twitter says, does Keith a bag skate them tomorrow? I I don't know, man. Like, unless I missed something, the forwards were okay. I would definitely have the defense doing some uh, some drills, though, in positioning and awareness and, I don't know, keeping your stick on the ice. It's just, it's just annoying having... Like, this is the one thing that stood out to me is we, we adjusted the defense. It's better on paper, but it's a lot of guys that are more offensive-minded. And we have a lot of forwards that are picking up defensive slack. And, like, yeah, you know, everybody works hand in hand. But I just wish we had, like, Luke Shen this year, you know, some some stay-at-home asshole defenseman to just make it a pain in the ass to get into our zone because Geo's not that anymore. Brody's not that right now. And that's about it. Mm hmm So speaking of defense, we have Aaron at Easy Lifeguard 79 who – asks what changes if any would you make to this defense i mean i don't want to keep beating a dead horse but i would move on from geo and potentially brody just for the the contract uh you want to i mean we talked last year about somebody like a and we just played against them a connor murphy uh luke shen like we're kind of at the same point we were at the deadline last year where it's like, unless we're going to bring in somebody who's going to make the net front absolutely impossible. I don't, I, I don't know what to do with this defensive core. Cause it, it seems like we're all offense and a very mediocre goaltending situation. So mm -hmm. something's got to change here. If we want to stay in it, I do not want to become the Edmonton Oilers. Yeah, and fun fact about Gio, he led all defensemen tonight with shots. Uh, he had four shots tonight, uh, 
just forwards there was Matthews with eight and JT with six. Marner had three shots on net. Um, it's hard, right? Like, I really want to see Timmins get some games this season. I think he would be a difference maker for this team. And um, whether you, you know, practice with different uh, line, line mates, uh, defensive pairs, maybe you call up Hollowell or one of the Marley's guys, right? Like, if, you, if this is a topic of conversation for weeks to follow, then maybe we should give a little shot to someone down in from the Marley's. But uh, right now, I think maybe just rotate the pairs up. I, I mean, you have Riley and Brody together. Maybe shift Brody back to his left side and try and make it work that way. It's kind of hard to tell. Yeah. But, and I mean, um, just, just speaking of look, defense. I just got it just defensive wise, because I got an update here from uh, the Jets, Pionk and Morrissey. Like that's a kind of pair that I would love to see the Leafs have where it's, you know, I know that basically is Riley and Brody, but a little more effective, but that's kind of where the Leafs need to be at is you need to have, I'm not saying Riley's more effective than Morrissey, but Morrissey did have a fantastic year last year, and Pionk just fucking destroys people. So, you know, I hate to compare them, but that's that's kind of what we need, is uh, Riley can definitely take that step this year to be a better offensive forward, and he's got Klingberg, you know, to, to tandem that with. But my God, we need somebody to just destroy people. Like, bringing in Domi and Reeves, and like, yes, I'm glad we... We shored up that for the offense, but it's we lost Luke Shen. We didn't replace Luke Shen. Does that make sense? Hmm. Yeah, I totally agree there. Um, oops. Lily is known to lay the bod sometimes, and you know I would like to see Jake McCabe a little bit more active in that front, um, al- along with his positioning, but be a little bit more physical and heavier on the puck and getting into those spots and making those big blocks when needed. Um, just tying into the defense here, Chris, Christopher Bradley on Twitter asks, what are our thoughts on Klingberg so far? I like him. I like his shot. I like his puck movement tonight. I give all of the DSC minus. I don't think anybody was great. Um, but the first two games, I've been relatively impressed. I think PP1's been good. I don't know. It's it's still it's only game three. It's hard to tell. But he's better than the last guy we had at number three. Oh, definitely. It's definitely an upgrade from number three. I think we miss number three, the former number three's physicality a little bit. But John Klingberg, I, I think, is more responsible with the puck. Life. And I'm still... <laughs> okay, Justin Hall did some good things. Dion Phaneuf, man, Yo, well, totally he did captain the team for a bit. <laughs> time out, time out. I totally you forgot Dion Phaneuf. What the hell? I I forgot Justin Hall wore number three. Man, it's just been a bad streak of guys wearing that number. Oh, how dare you? So why would they? Why would he take number three of all things? That's oh, I forgot about Justin Hall. <laughs> Yeah, Justin Hall had number three. So um, just looking at everyone's stats tonight, the only one in the plus was Timothy Lilligren with a plus one. Uh, John Klingberg minus two. 
and same with Morgan Riley. Um, I'm still, I saw Beeb's tweet tonight, uh, another follower of the pod, and saying he's demanding to see this shot that everyone is speculating about. You know what? I want to see more of this shot too. John Klingberg, one shot tonight, over 22 minutes on ice. I want them to be firing at all angles. I want them to just pepper the goalie and get those rebounds available for guys like Bertuzzi or Nyes or whoever's on the ice with them. And I think the defense could do a little bit more offensively as well. So I think it will get better with time and as the team generates more chemistry together. Yeah, I mean, okay. I think Bertuzzi, even three games in, has made a huge improvement over the you know preseason, where it seemed like he was just like, "You guys go, I'll I'll hang back and figure out what you need me to do." Now it seems like he knows exactly where to be, and tonight he kept that up, apart from the two shitty penalty t- calls he took, which kind of is the reason we're not talking more about him, is that eliminates the positives. Patrick Lucky on Twitter says, bad equals Domi, Burt, McCabe, and Klingberg. Good equals 88, 34, 91, 88, and 88. There's so many numbers there. I uh, agree with you there tonight. So essentially, Domi, Burmy, Burmy, what am I saying? Bertuzzi, McCabe, and Klingberg. Not good. But Nylander highlighted three times. Matthews and JT really took the spotlight for him tonight. So, yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, Nylander had majority of the chances, chances alongside Matthews. And Tavares getting his first goal uh, of the season, like kudos to him, but everyone else, man, like I'm still waiting for Domi to make an impact here. Um, Bert looked lost again. Like I, I just want to yell at him to tape up that fucking stick. Like uh, and every time he's whiffing on the puck or missing, I'm just like tape the fucking stick. But like, but obviously he knows what he's doing, and I don't know what I'm saying. So, uh, yeah. He also broke Corey Perry's <laughs> dick there at the end, which was sick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I'm hoping. Yeah. Uh, I'm hoping Bertuzzi figures things out. But uh, any more questions? Me too. Two more. Misadventures at Classy Kyle's says if Con- Connor Bedard, Connor Bedarded, would Connor Bedard Bedard? <laughs> uh, this is a good tongue twister. <laughs> Aussie humor. <laughs> if Connor Bedard, Connor Bedarded, Connor Bedard, Connor Bedard. Yeah. for fuck's sake <laughs> yeah who knows uh, we should have did the shot challenge which with his name honestly we'd be drunk as a skunks right now if we yeah. did one of those um, after watching tonight's game and hearing his name on repeat I mean I don't think a Texas Mickey would last oh lordy no okay last question Shane Wilkinson uh, on Twitter, asks, anybody surprise you so far, good or bad? Um, 
honestly, it's not somebody new, but Joseph Wall, I know he let in a couple of goals tonight, more than we would have liked. I was more impressed with his play than I thought I'd be, especially after how shaky Samsonov was. I was less angry at the goals that Wall went in than I was the ones that Sammy let in because I feel like the defense really let him down tonight for, you know, I feel like the ninth mm-hmm. time. I I think I think Wall had a decent showing for his first game of the season. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, Wall ends the third game of the season with the highest save percentage of 900 on the dot. Um, he looked super calm, super steady in net. It, it was just unfortunate that the buds kind of left him out to dry several times. I mean, the Corey exactly. Perry goal alone. Then you have the power play goal of Johnson just rushing in. And same with uh, uh, on Twistle, uh, this new player who was standing right in front and he was fed by Andreas and nobody was home, nobody to be found. So I don't blame this loss on Joseph Wall whatsoever. But for me, I'm going to highlight again Fraser Minton just because he was 54.14% on the dot again tonight with good numbers for a rookie in the NHL. It only gets better, and I'm really hoping for this line to pop off next game, which will be on Thursday. Uh, we're facing our Florida friends. I believe Florida's first, and then Saturday is the Tampa Bay Lightning. Um, so, Yeah. Hopefully we this is the first road trip of the year for the Leafs and they can group together, have a good practice day in between this travel here, and we get to see some good hockey action. I'm just looking. Um, so Mackenzie Entwistle was acquired by the Blackhawks along with Kruger, Maleda, and Andrew Campbell and a fifth-round pick in 20. 20- 18 in exchange for Marion Hosa, Vinny Henestroza, Jordan Osterley, and a third round pick. Wow. Wow. Marion Hosa was still. I was going to say, I, never have I ever heard. Go on, sorry, we got a delay. <laughs> sorry, yeah, uh, you keep cutting out on me. <laughs> I was just going to say, never have I ever heard any of those first rounds of names you said before Vinny Henestroza and uh, the second bit there. <laughs> well, we but, were talking about Marion Hosa during wow. this game. Yeah, I've never heard he of this player from, either. Marion Hosa went from like the Sens to the Thrashers to the Penguins to the Red Wings to the Blackhawks, like all within like a handful of years and then just stayed with Chicago forever. So, yeah. Came out of the end whistle mm. trade, which is weird because they both ended up on okay. Chicago. Anyway, okay, we out of here. Um, the team of misfits. You. Sorry, this delay is killing me. We gotta go. Thanks, guys. Uh, love you. Have a good night. Good night.
follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Leafs Late Night, your night of post-game podcast. Available after every game on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Audible, and more. Go, Leafs, go.